The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Our program is designed to offer solutions to those individuals with exceptional needs, plus families, professionals, and educators. Dr. Sean and his guests will share ideas that you can begin using immediately in order to promote a harmonious relationship and move forward. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sean Surface. Well, good morning, my Voice America listeners. It's good to be back for a live show in the midst of the summer. I do hope that you all are enjoying your summer, and for parents listening, I really hope that your services and supports that you depend on have occurred accordingly and that your summer has brought you some enjoyment rather than stress. It's so important that you as a parent of a disabled child get and maintain the supports you need in order to give your child's life a productive progress. You know, today's show is really going to focus on recreation and socialization, and that's because we're in the summer. And what do kids do in the summer? They go to camps, they go to various events, they do a lot of outside play, and we want to make sure that our kids with disabilities are getting the same opportunities. Recreation comes in many ways, but is essential for the human soul. Interaction feeds our cognitive skills, and including our desire to learn. If our minds aren't stimulated, then we cease to build new neural pathways that allow us to fully function. It builds our motivation. It builds our, our desire to interact. Interactions include talking together and being in the proximity of others to develop relationships and to exist in collaboration with others. Last year, we were happy to introduce a drum circle to one of our clients. Another client had much success there, as people in the drum circle seemed very kind and inclusive of all. As long as you had a lap to beat on, you were invited. Well, Joe started playing on his lap, and soon another drummer with multiple drums came over on the third coming and offered Joe a drum. So we went out there three times, and on the third time, one of the people, you know, turned around and said, hey, Joe, do you want to use one of my drums? Which is not only cool that he shared his equipment, but he's sharing his interaction. He's sharing part of his life. Joe has been drumming in that circle and was told by another local high school, uh, oh, I'm sorry, and was told that there's another one at a local high school on Thursday evenings, and he was excited about joining it. All Joe wanted to do before was run away from staff and go, quote-unquote, his way. After experiencing the collaborative nature of the drum circle, he had purpose and something to look forward to. Behavioral changes occurred as he was motivated to interact with others rather than motivated to disengage from people. As people usually were telling him what was acceptable and what wasn't, which often ended in what 
couldn't, what he could not do, and an argument with the loping from everyone. And loping means, you know, running away. So everybody was engaged all the time in telling Joe, you can't do this, you can't do that. And rather than that, they moved towards talking to him about making good choices so that he could continue to do the drum circle and go to the parks or go to the high schools where they were taking place. The drum circle required him to be in sync with other people rather than just doing his own thing. It gave him a new way of being and thinking. This is often what the therapist what we look for as a result of their counseling, some epiphany or something that has to change in their lives. In pivotal response training, which is a technique that was created by the Kegels out at UC Santa Barbara, the idea is that you teach a new skill which will have a major change in that person's life. For instance, you know, you might have somebody that's not toilet trained. And when you have somebody that's not toilet trained, not a lot of people want to hang with them. Not a, lot of, not a lot of people want to interact. Not a lot of people want to change a fully grown adult's diaper. If you can get them toilet trained and work on that with them, and then all of a sudden they're able to do their own bathrooming, well, now people will want to hang with them. Now people will want to be with them and interact. And that's what we call a pivotal change in their life. That training assisted them in, yes, bathrooming, but it broadened it out much further to interactions in life with people. It makes a pivotal change in that person's life, going from maybe not wanting to engage with others to a great interactive desire. This can be the goal of recreational therapy, and that's what I want to focus a bit on today is recreational therapy and socialization therapy. According to the American Therapeutic Recreation Association, ATRA, recreation therapy or therapeutic recreation is a systematic process that utilizes recreation and other activity-based interventions to address the assessed needs of individuals with illnesses or disabling conditions as a means to psychological and physical health and recovery and well-being. Recreational therapy may also simply be referred as recreation therapy. The idea is that, you know, we always talk about mind, body, and soul. Well, one way for mind, body, and soul to all work together is through recreation. Recreational therapists work with clients to restore motor skills and cognitive functioning, build confidence, develop coping skills, and integrate skills learned in treatment settings into the community settings. You know, we do a lot of work in home, in clinic, trying to help people learn the appropriate skills or the useful skills out in the community or outside of the clinic setting. And we want those to generalize. We want those skills to be able to be utilized in multiple settings. Intervention areas vary widely and are based upon the client's interest. Examples of intervention modalities include creative arts, such as crafts, music, dance, drama, among others, sports adventure, adventure programming, dance movement, and leisure education. And one of the things that I mentioned was dance movement. My friends Nancy Goodell and Sandy Beery are both motivation, excuse me, are both um, uh, movement therapists. And 
they work with people to not only ground themselves, but to be able to uh, recognize some of their own strengths and weaknesses through movement and through the control of their own bodies. A bachelor's degree in recreational therapy is required. These programs typically cover such areas as treatment and program planning, human anatomy, physiology, and professional ethics. Some programs offer the opportunity to specialize in treatment of those that are mentally or physically challenged. Most employers referred to hire candidates who have certified therapeutic recreation specialist certificates. Therapists become certified through the National Council for Therapeutic Recreation Certification. So when you're interacting with a recreational therapist, you want to ask them, you know, do you have your CTRS? Are you a certified therapeutic uh, recreation specialist? It's important because recreation and and getting a person involved in recreation is, is very difficult. It's not something that comes easy. Uh, for the individual with the disability, so they're often going to reject it. So somebody needs to be certified with a lot of education and experience to understand how to best put together a program. To qualify for certification under the academic path, applicants must have a master's degree in therapeutic recreation, complete an internship under the supervision of another CTRS, and pass a written exam. There is also an equivalency path, A and B, for certification. The requirements are slightly different and include a bachelor's degree outside of TR, outside of therapeutic recreation, paid work experience, and successful completion of the written exam. Continuing education. Now, one of the things that we have in our... um, as part of what we do as behaviorists is we have a need to, for ongoing education. And it's not just as behaviorists, as therapists, as specialists. And this is what we call the pursuit of excellence. It's the idea that you will continue to educate yourself even if you've had many years in the field. In fact, the many years in the field may cause some complacency. So it's really important that you continue to learn. You must clock in 50 hours of continuing ed within a five-year span. This can be done by going to ATR conferences, ATRA conferences, state workshops and conferences supervising recreational therapy. There are a lot of different recreational therapy organizations. Uh, The American Therapeutic Recreation Association, the Canadian Recreation Association, um, CTR, a are the largest national, or that's a Canadian, is the largest national membership organizations representing the interests and needs of recreational therapists in the United States. Recreation is to help the consumer participate in social and recreational life of the community. Programs could include Providing access, excuse me, I'm so sorry, providing access to community events through computer listings of social and recreational opportunities and ensure that the computer access is available to clients who may also need training in order to access the information they need. Redefining staff roles so that personnel are available to help clients determine interest, contact social and recreational programs, and provide on-the-spot supports until the client's able and willing to participate on their own. You know, he didn't just, Joe didn't just walk into that drum circle. 
he was for many weeks before months i would say prompted to interact with people told about the appropriate types of interactions expected from people and to people so it took time and it took effort it also took patience and being ready to help him through his challenges and continually remind him of his successes. You might have to develop a mobile crisis team to respond to certain emergencies in the community. With Joe, we always had two people and sometimes a third person following in a car to make sure that there was ongoing support and that any crisis that could occur would be addressed immediately. We want to see the offering of more weekend and evening programs and supports that make it more likely that staff will be able to provide social and recreational supports within the community settings rather than just within the agencies. It's so important that we get people out and about in the community interacting and building skills. And I'm going to talk about the actual skills that they build just from being in recreation. Um, We want to aggressively seek out different events, sports events, cultural events, community stuff that could provide a client who might not otherwise attend. And sometimes we have to find funding to make sure that there's enough money available to get people into a show or get people into an event. Um, the way that the that affects a client is so strong that the payback is huge. What you get from the person interacting in the community and going through different recreational events is motivation and a desire to live a life. And that's what all of this is about. This is about that idea of social validity, that what we are doing is to make the person's life better. We want to train staff to be more sensitive to the individual social and recreational needs of the client. We spend months training our staff to make sure that they have a good understanding of the positives that might occur, but also the stresses that can occur. The stresses that can occur are lots of people, cars going by, new places. So we want to make sure that we are setting the person up for good, for a good experience. And we have to develop an approach to transportation of clients to social and recreational opportunities that is less stigmatizing than an agency van. You know, everybody doesn't have to pile out of the van all the time. You know, they can have alternative routes, taking buses, taking Uber. There's lots of opportunities. Establish new staff positions that access advocacy. You want that person to act more as a benefactor than a quote-unquote therapist. There are guidance out in in the community. Initiate broad-based public education programs designed to make community members more aware, more comfortable with, and more supportive of the presence and the participation of those with serious disabilities. We want people to be, people are afraid of things they don't understand. They're not just automatically rejecting, they're just afraid. So if that is the case, let's give them lots of good awareness so they don't have to have that fear. Develop support groups to help clients who do choose to participate independently in social and recreational events to talk about their feelings and experiences and suggestions for the future. So when we do our community integration program, we can also 
help the person discuss how they're feeling and let them voice what feels good in the experience and what is challenging. We want them to help identify past social connections like families and friends and develop plans to revive those relationships. Peer supports and self-determination to help consumers establish more control over their lives and programs. Programs could provide a, a wide array of educational programs targeted to the consumers and outlining the fundamentals of the client's empowerment, peer support, and client-run programming. We want that person to decide what they want to do and how they want to do it so they're more, more motivated to be involved. Provide intensive educational services for staff in order to familiar, familiarize them with consumer empowerment principles, peer support models, and consumer-run services with an emphasis on new roles required of staff. We don't want staff to say, oh, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing this forever. We want them to look at new ideas that are out there, talk with other people who would have the experiences that are necessary for good community integration. We want them to be able to speak to others and have a sense of, of self-advocacy. We want peer advocacy and consumer-run programs within residential, vocational, and social rehabilitation programming and provide programming to train client staff in their roles and responsibilities. So it's really important that we're training our staff to, to teach the individual how to self-advocate for themselves because when they are self-advocating, they're much less likely to engage in all the behavioral concerns that you see all the time. Um, offer additional training to staff to make treatment planning in a more person-centered situation. I mean, it's about that particular individual and what they like and what they desire and what their interests are. At times, we try and search out funding resources to help us do programming because it's expensive to get people from place to place. What we want to do when we continue, we're going to take a little break here in a minute, is start to discuss some of the ideas of where recreational therapy can build up strengths for the individual. So we will be back in a couple minutes, and I look forward to talking with you more. And when we return, we will also have Amanda Alvarez with us, our Community Integration Director over at Total Programs. Okay, thanks. See you in a bit. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey. Breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. 
At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having a supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seanservice at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. So welcome back. I hope you were able to grab yourself a cup of coffee as you get ready this morning. You know, we've been talking about recreational therapy, and it's a little bit different than community integration. Community integration is the idea of getting the community to be aware of the person and getting the person with a disability able to not only navigate the the their direct community, but deal with conflicts and different things that may may occur, things not going exactly their way, gives them the experiences of the community. The, uh, the idea of recreational therapy is, yes, to be involved in various events, to have a life filled with activity, but it also brings about certain skills of the person that differ a bit in community integration. For instance, you might have a person who has wanted to go to church or their family has wanted them to go to church or engage in some spirituality, but they've not been able to really do that due to behavioral issues or due to fear and just apprehension and not knowing what's going to be expected of them. So spirituality, to assist those with mental illness or disabilities who wish to deepen their spiritual lives and religious affiliations, some programs could work with local religions, religious groups, both pastoral and laypersons, to ensure a welcoming response to new congregants and to offer whatever supports congregations may require. One of the things that we or another agency might do is contact some local churches or churches or temples in the area of the client and ask them what would be expected of the client upon entering the congregation. Um, Do they have to participate? Do they have to uh, do certain things? Maybe they're going into a Catholic church and they're going to need to take communion um, and need to know how to do that. they may be going into a Buddhist temple where they're doing an offering and they need to have the time and the training to do that. We want to develop like some kind of a mentor program where within the congregation, there are individuals in the congregation that goes out of his or her way to welcome and support new congregants with mental health issues, mental retardation, intellectual deficiency or disabilities, or 
developmental disabilities. And we need to develop staff training programs internally to help existing staff. There's this thing out there, and I've noticed it for a while, that with any public funding, people fear moving towards going to churches or going to religious situations because it's been publicly funded. There is a separation between church and state, but that's only in government and running and and creating government. We don't create laws based on religion. We don't stop. We don't create laws to stop certain religious practices. Um, What we're looking at here are training programs that would help the staff understand that you're working as a a benefactor. You're working as a, a mentor to go into the spiritual environment and help that person take from it as much as they can. We research and contact existing programs. Check it out. See what's going on in other churches. We have a church that's local to us that has a whole special education department because they're a large church and they have many kids and adults with disabilities that attend the church. So they want to make sure that they can put up the right accommodations for them. Social roles are there to help service consumers to develop an array of valued social roles to themselves. Some programs could include helping the consumer to reestablish or repair past relationships with family members. It's a big thing. When there's been a lot of difficulty, people tend to move away from our clients rather than move towards them. And Karen Horney, who was a student of Freud's a long time ago, she talked about a life either people move towards you or they move against you. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that the biggest support that a person with a disability can have are their family members. We want to make sure that they are able to uh, help their brother, sister, interact with a family member, cousins maybe that they've gone to uh, a family event and there was kind of a breakdown during the event and so that's what family members remember rather than who that person is and giving them the opportunity to work through some of the issues that they may have gone that may have gone on with other family members letting those past relationships see who they are now that they may have had difficulty in the past but currently they're showing lots of good uh, interactive behaviors and they want to be part of the family's life. They want. I don't want our community integration program or any program that we have to be in place to, to allow the removal of an aversive from somebody. In other words, if we're just going into the community program or the recreational program to get that person out of an environment, that's not the best goal. The best goal is to introduce the uh, the issues that are causing problems in an environment and have family members work through it with the individual so that they feel that they're part of the problem solving. It's really important to be part of the problem solving because it's a difficult world out there. It's hard to go out and interact and and do some of the things that might be expected 
of that individual. So, but if their family, in a sense, is having such a difficult time and that they're not, in a sense, behind them, we've the first work might be to reestablish that relationship so that they do have the opportunity to have that benefactoring support. This is why it's so important that a recreational therapist or any behavioral specialist has training and has credentialing. We talked earlier about a couple different credentialing. One of the credentialing organizations is called the National Organization of Competency Assurance. It provides a certification that expires every five years and it certifies that person specialty in health and human services and professionals who acquire higher levels of knowledge and more advanced skills provide the consumer with greater depth of service. So one of the things about the pursuit of education or the pursuit of excellence is that as you do more and you learn more, you're better at what you do and you become an expert by not only having the experience, but also having a greater depth of education. Specialization is well recognized within the professional practice. It's important that if you're going to be a human services delivery agency, that you have well-qualified people. Salaries aren't as high as we'd like them to be, but they're reasonable. And they we need more and more people out there to help us with recreation programs, community programs. We have to remember in the Olmstead Act, which I talked about on another show, uh, that was held that there was discrimination to deny people with disability services in the most integrated settings. So according to the court, the court accordingly, the court found that individuals with mental disabilities are entitled to live in the community. So not only is this something that we desire, but under the Olmstead Act, later under the Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA, it became a entitled, maybe I shouldn't use that word because people get so freaked out about the word, word entitlement. It became a, a right for the person to have the training and have the understanding of a good quality therapist working with them so that they could go out into the community and be accepted. At this point, I'd like to bring on our, our guest today. Amanda Alvarez has been on the show before, our community integration director at Total Programs, one of two, and um, has had many, many years of experience in getting people with disabilities not only the services that they need, but accepted by the community. So I'm not sure. Amanda, are you on? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. And thank you so much for being on the show again. Talking a little bit this morning. Yeah. Talking this morning about recreation therapy and social therapy and why it's so important for the individual to be able to get out into different recreation, not just for the sake of going and doing something, but how it builds up their socialization ability, builds relationships for them. In the past, you and I have discussed community integration and what supports a person's life. Tell me, what what do you do in order to get a person ready for the community? 
definitely um, the first process is to interview the parent and the child to get ideas of the likes and dislikes and also um, develop community goals that we are going to uh, focus and target while we're doing the intervention in the community. Um, one of the assessment procedures that we prefer to use is the Community Participation Skills Assessment Protocol, and um, this is by Partington and Moeller. And this, this system is, is really useful because it tracks every aspect and every um, detail of, of each individual that we work with. And so we can literally see the strengths and weaknesses that we need to target um, when we're working with the individual. And that's so nice because you, wait, 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 wait. So that's so nice because you can use that tool to see where they're at when you first start with them and then use it again later, maybe six months or a year later and see what progress, what difference there is just based on that tool. That's why it's so important to have an assessment tool. You started to talk about another tool that you use? Um, we, we also prefer the stimulus preference assessment, and that's because it gives us uh, good ideas with, with the client's help about uh, physical activities, visual or electronic activities, and also edibles that we can use as reinforcers in the community um, so that it, it assists the client in planning their own activities because that's what we're really all about. We want to empower the child to, um, or the individual to be able to plan their own activities, know what planning entails, right, um, coming up with specific locations, the times and dates that we are going to visit those locations, the mode of transportation, if any money is needed, who's going to be accompanying you. And so there's so many details to just planning uh, an outing, but it really does give the child and, or the individual the power of, of planning their, their social gatherings. And we so can see helpful. also... We can see why it might be difficult for a parent or or even a teacher who's already caught up in doing a bunch of things to plan community integration because it's not like you just walk out the door with the person. You got to right. get them prepped and ready. It might take weeks to get them really ready to be able to be out out there. You know, you um, in when we first started doing this, we didn't have as many assessment tools. We did a lot of observation. We did a lot of writing about what we what we saw, but we weren't able to get the opinion so much of others and uh, and rate them accordingly to what would be expected for age or for the region that they live in. So yeah. using that tool is uh, not only a, a sign of our of quality, but it's going to allow us to really build goals and and uh, skills for that person. What do you see what do you see as the biggest need out there for with disabilities in the community like a community awareness or what 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 do you see as the biggest thing that may hinder the person from getting out there and having some recreational support? The biggest need I think is the community adapting to the many um, personalities of individuals that we work with. Uh, I know you mentioned before that, you know, um, because we work with with the children directly, we're pretty much used to their mode of communication. Um, 
they engage in stereotypy behavior sometimes, and so we're used to it. Um, what is what so is that? Ex- explain that to the listeners. What is stereotypical or stereotype repe- behavior? Repetitive movements. You know, some children do hand flapping or twirled once or twice while walking, and so that could you know that could stand out in the community. If I'm walking, if I'm teaching you street safety, walking across the street, and you start twirling, and people will notice that. And so, I just think if the community learns that, you know, that's part of the child's uniqueness that we can move forward with teaching other skills and not, you know, putting so much focus on those type of uh, behaviors. Yeah, and they may, be, they may be engaging in some of that because they're anxious out there in the community. They're a little nervous about what goes on. But, you know, typical people, you know, we walk along twiddling our thumbs, whistling, doing little self-stimulatory things also that we don't think about just to calm ourselves down or get ourselves ready for the next thing that we might be worried about and and having that understanding of hey this is a human issue this is not just a disability thing you do the same things to get yourself ready for whatever you're going to go out to do you might get a little nervous and chew gum or again tap your fingers on the table or something like that and so getting the person to understand Hey, you know, this is just like typical things that people do to make themselves feel better. And we don't want to take away what makes them handle things easier. Right. It's um, almost like a preparation mechanism, right? Um, right. This is happening. We're crossing the street. We're almost there. I'm excited, you know, and that's just the way they show their anticipation, you know, um, for what's to come. And so yeah, and have, I know that and in have, social gatherings and, and opportunities, you, you see that a lot. But then we also, you know, that's when we take the opportunity to say, give your friend a, a high five, you know, uh, after a bowling turn. And so we use opportunities like that where we know that they're excited and we just introduce different ways to be excited, like congratulating each other. So I think that's another biggest need in the community, the, the social gatherings and just the importance of like, acknowledging each other. Yeah, and they may have had, like, past experiences with other people. Okay, so say they go bowling, and there's a group of kids there. And maybe one or two of them are actually in their classroom, in their school classroom throughout the day. And maybe they've had bad experiences with that person, where they've seen the person have a tantrum or have get get upset or angry or, or actually got into a, a physical altercation with them. And then that's what they remember about the person now, all of a sudden, they're bowling with them, they're excited, and they're giving each other a high five. Now, right. we've reestablished the relationship. Now, we said, yeah. okay, look, this person's not just about the acting out. They're also about, you know, wanting to be friends and wanting to be interactive in the way, in this case, bowling or, or another sport or another activity. And so, that rekindling of the relationship seems to be a big part of what we do. You know, earlier I talked about, like, do people, one of the things in our behavioral world is something that's called negative reinforcement. And what that is, is it's a something that reinforces you by the removal. For instance, if you have a headache, you might take an aspirin because that aspirin in the past took the headache away. So now the next time you get a headache, you go, oh, okay, I'm going to take an aspirin and it'll take it away. Often... I believe that in the beginning, some of our community integration programs may be thought of as a negative reinforcement, that the parent is able to 
or the person or the teacher is able to get rid of it, it's something that might be aversive to them for half a day or for a couple hours. And I get that. I understand that they need that break. But what's really nice is when they return from their day to be told, hey, your kid did this and he did this and he was successful here and there. What? How do you train your staff to let parents know the good stuff? Well, we definitely... Aside from taking data collection, we also work with the parents to develop a calendar of activities so that the parent is also prepared and preparing their child. Remember, you know, Amanda's coming at 3 o'clock and you're going to go bowling today and what's next on your schedule? You're going to go visit the mall. You can have lunch there or dinner there. And so the parents are actually helping us in preparing the client and, and also making sure that we have the tools needed, like the money that they're going to need if they're going to need sunscreen, for example. But, you know, prepping the child takes a lot, you know, it, it takes like maybe a day or two before the outing actually happens. And that comes from the parents and also the staff. Remember, we're going to the movies tomorrow, and this is how we behave at the movies. You have the opportunity right. to purchase because you can get popcorn. And so it's all about preparation and how you're going to introduce it so that you don't just show up at the theater and, and hope that, you know, they sit through that an hour they, movie or two-hour movie. Right. And reminding them of not what they're not supposed to do, but remind, reminding the person, okay, remember, we go in and we sit down and we enjoy ourselves. And if we need to go to the bathroom or we need to leave for some reason, we let Miss Amanda or Mr. Sean know that we need to leave. So we teach the person how to not only get into a community event, but how to deal with it once they're there. And yeah. I think that when we do that and we show that to care providers, main care providers, maybe they don't want to, maybe they'll stop seeing it as, oh, I was able to, to release my kid into somebody else's responsibility today and rather look at, a, wow, my kid went out and did a bunch of different things today that were pretty cool. And yeah. We always um, say introduce and, and, and I believe, activity so, every hour. <laughs> Amanda, I'm so sorry. I, I believe that we have a little bit of a break time and then I, okay. I, I kind of miss it. So we're going to go to a break and then we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Life has its joys and challenges. At Total Programs, we can assist you with the challenges and show you that solutions are possible when good strategies are put into place. At Total Programs, we understand how difficult your day can be. And our goal is to assist your family in having the supportive, safe, and successful environment where love and joy can reign. We can design programs and strategies to bring you the success, safety, and support that you desire for your home, school, and community. Call 1-866-54-TUTOR or visit TotalPrograms.org. We all have challenges each and every day. How do you relax and live in a calm state? On Chaos to Calm, we introduce you to the concept of Wrenchway, a path to feeling calmer and happier. Listen Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time 
7 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. We'd love to encourage your participation in the program. Call into 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to seansurface at totalprograms.org. Now, back to this week's show. Well, welcome back, everybody. We've been talking with Amanda Alvarez of Total Programs about community integration and about recreation. And what we were talking about was we want the community integration program to be seen as a positive benefit for the person and not to be seen as a way of removing an aversive person from an environment. So it's really important that we continually work with not just the kid, but the, the family or the care provider or the teacher also so that they know how to interact with that person in the community too, but also can continue some of the ideas and some of the work that you're doing with the individual. Amanda, I have a question. Where do you, um, where are some examples, we talked a little bit about bowling and some other examples, but tell me, where do you find out about these events? How can somebody know where to go, where to take their kiddos that might be a little bit more maybe disability friendly? Uh, Googling your your immediate community. Um, you just type in free events or activities in the city of Covina or the city that you live in. Every community offers free activities. Um, the current trend right now is... Uh, the free summer music programs that our kids love to dance to. And it's basically, you know, um, a band, either live bands or just a musical music festival um, where they play. You can bring your, la- um, your lawn chair, basically, and the kids can sit and, and observe. Or they have um, free summer movies where the big screen is at the park and the kids enjoy that very much. So those are, uh, those are currently going on that are free. Um, we also have an annual pass to the Arboretum. I don't know if I said that right, because I always say it wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's the Botanical um, Gardens in Arcadia, and they've been, so, they've been so welcoming to our clients and our staff. A, a couple of our uh, clients are actually volunteering to feed the animals and just learning about um, specific plants and how to feed them, believe it or not, and uh-huh. um, just the wellness of plants. And so... You know, we have a couple of kids that are just so interested in that, and they're allowing them to, to um, volunteer once a week. So that's, that's great. And it's usually for four to six people per trip, and we're not limited. We can go three, four times a day so different groups can come in. So that's been really helpful in getting a social group together and talk about the animals and the plants that they, that they see. Um, also, the local well, has been great, again, with their summer uh, swimming program, Sean. 
you know, you you talked about a uh, you said the arboretum. Now you're talking about the swimming program, different community places, and I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I have found that the more that, for instance, let's take the uh, uh, the arboretum, the people at the arboretum, which is that garden setting, they needed to understand a little bit about our kids before they came. They needed to actually see them, see our staff interacting, keeping them safe and active and productive. Once those things occur, then the community member is like, hey, this is not so bad. This is not what I thought. You know, I I was scared. I didn't know what was going to happen. But now it's like, bring more of your kids. Your kids are great. You know, please introduce us to more of them. And that simple act of them just being inviting came from a community awareness, came from that ability to understand, hey, this is a, a person. And it's your good work that you do that allows them to, uh, you know, there's a saying about just keep coming back. 95% of it is showing up. The most important thing is that we we don't give up. When there's a, a challenge in one community setting, we don't say, okay, well, I'm never going there again. We figure out what are the things that were barriers and what were the things that were... Uh, uh, successful or the things that were helpful. I have a, uh, a question. Are there a lot of age-dependent barriers, like the person's too old or too young? I would think that there are a lot of opportunities for young folk, but minimum programs for events for adults. Is that true? How, how do we overcome that if that is true? It could be true. It's just the way you modify um the environmental settings, I I believe. A lot of our younger uh, folks like to play sports more often. They they want to do soccer or they want to join a a special league for baseball or basketball, and we certainly have have done that. And um, our current um, focus is we want a bowling team to um, get everybody together to join for a bowling team. But I, I find that, for example, bowling. Bowling is fun for all ages. Really, and I find that right. my older folks actually want to do more of the social gatherings. Like I've, I've done uh, bingo nights in in our classroom. We've done karaoke nights, and so it's kind of interesting because those ideas came straight from individuals of all ages. Right, and, and so, so you know, I, we, I thought it was interesting. Like, oh, bingo! I don't know if the you know smaller kids will like bingo, but they actually loved it. I think they like to win prizes, really, but it, it was... Well, it, sure. It, it, they want to be reinforced, whether it's through a prize or through just the activity itself. There's so many events available for the younger person because the older person is like, well, for the majority, are at work or at more uh, uh, non-recreational uh, events during the day, and in the evening, adult activities seem to be more apparent, which is like, okay, well, that's great, but our our folks don't go out drinking. They don't, uh, you know, they're not out there to party in clubs at night. So we need activities that they can go to that are safe for them and and, in good quality. In your years of practice, uh, what are some of the big changes you've seen over time, whether it's programs or laws or, you know, you've been doing this a while. You know, you- I see 
I see more inclusion definitely in the community. Mm-hmm. I, I see like uh, the gyms being open-minded that uh, a child, you know, is going to join or any individual with disabilities is going to join the gym and they're going to have their staff person accompany them. Now we're accepted. We don't have to pay. We're, we go in free with the child's um, pass or admission. Um, so they're very open, open-minded. They let us uh, do their own exercise routine. They also let us sit in for free to listen about the wellness and, and care uh, seminars that they give you sometimes before or after uh, a workout. Um, I see a lot of colleges actually welcoming our clients as well to explore, to see if there's any certificate programs they want to um, they want to do that is geared towards employment in the future. So I think that's great because we didn't have such preparation before. It was like, okay, well, you exited the school system. Good luck to you. Right. And, you know, things get expensive when you get older. Even with our clients with disabilities, that's, that's what I find that is very uh, imposing with our older clients right now, that everything... The prices are no longer for for children, right? So that could be a barrier. Right, absolutely. And, you know, I remember you and I have known each other for a long time. And I remember uh, about 20 years ago, and this just came to mind. I haven't thought about this in a long time. We were at a school in a local district, and, and one of the kids that was living in the group home you were running was one of my students as a school psychologist. And the teacher was not having lunch at the regular lunchtime. She was going out earlier than everybody else and then eating and then playing and then going back in before the rest of the kids came out. And I remember how, the word's not angry, the word is more energized that you were around making sure that the teacher understood that the more time that they spend sitting in that cafeteria with other kids, the more they're going to be used to it. And the more that they're used to it, the other kids will be used to them too. So everybody starts to grow together by being in the event, not by accommodating it so that, you know, the the disabled kids eat earlier. What do you... uh, what do you see as the next step for total programs, community programs? Where, uh, where would you like to see, it, not just us, but the, the agencies like us? What's the next, next step? Definitely, I know you mentioned transportation earlier, and I find mm-hmm. public transportation to be still very elusive because, you know, we have the bus or the train or private transportation, but when you want to teach clients to independently, you know, um, use their community, go from point A to point B. I mean, we definitely start with short rides, but a lot of, I feel like a lot of the public transportation um, tools that we had available from regional centers before, like access or, or tokens for our um, clients that are in need because they can't afford an annual pass or a monthly pass for the bus, that's very, it's very costly, I find, and there's not many options for our clients to utilize public transportation other than being in the car with us. But we right. find that they enjoy riding the train. We find that they are capable of, you know, uh, using the bus for short rides. And, you know, that's the bus is a, could be a little scary, just like the train, but the, the bus sure. you know, it could be crowded, it could be loud. And so, so making, a lot of preparation. 
So, excuse me one second. So, getting more opportunities out there to get people from point A to point B, whether that's new transportation methods or ride sharing or, believe it or not, I would love to continue this conversation, but our show has come to an end. Okay. And I'm really sorry, Amanda, I've got to... I've got to end, but thank you so much for coming on today. And remember that on Strategies and Solutions with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge, we are are about your success and know that each day can be your new future that you dream of having in your life. See you next time. Blessings to you all. Thanks so much for listening to Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean, Living the Challenge. Be sure to join us again next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a great week.